This is a re-recording of the sermon that was preached on Sunday because unfortunately the recording on Sunday was corrupted. So forgive me for that. Um, But we wanted to record this to complete the series that we've been doing in Jonah because we've come to the last week of our series and chapter four where we find that Jonah has become angry with God. So angry he doesn't want to speak to him, so angry he wants to die again. And I don't know if you can relate to this idea of being angry with God. I'd be amazed if you can't because even people who don't believe in God get mad at him and blame him for all kinds of things. But is it right? As a Christian, is it ever right to be angry with God? Is our anger ever justified, or is there another way to look at it? Jonah holds up a mirror to our own lives as chapter 4 again focuses on his relationship with God as he expresses his anger over how easily it seems God forgives evil people and shows mercy to those who don't deserve it. And I don't know what's made you angry over the years, but I think you will find quite a lot of resonance with Jonah. And I'm not saying this passage gives us all the answers, but it certainly makes us think and question our motives because God asks us too, is it right to be angry? Do we have sufficient facts to be angry? Do we understand the bigger picture enough to be angry? Are we aware enough of our own prejudices and self-interest to be angry? Do you have any right to be angry? So how did we get to this question in the book of Jonah? Well, we saw last week how Jonah had been given a second chance to obey God and go to Nineveh. He delivered his warning message to the people, 40 days and the city will be overthrown. It wasn't the most comprehensive message. It certainly wasn't a lot of detail there uh, from one of God's most reluctant prophets, but they got the message anyway. And the king got down off the throne, changed into something a whole lot less comfortable, and he, along with all the people, humbled themselves and turned away from their evil ways which is what made Jonah angry, that God isn't going to destroy them anymore. And he doesn't think this is right at all. So let's have a look at the passage. And what I'm going to do is take you through it a paragraph at a time and see if we can understand Jonah's angry uh, anger and find any resonance there because he gives us three reasons why any of us might be angry with God. So Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 to 4, First of all, it says Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That's why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? So Jonah 
wasn't happy at all about God not destroying them, which I think needs a bit of explanation because I can't think of many preachers who would turn up at the gates of a large pagan city, preach the gospel and see all the people respond and not be happy about it. I mean, this would be a dream for any of us. Imagine walking into the centre of Birmingham, speaking one line, as Jonah had, and hordes of people crying out to God and turned from their sins. And you kind of think, Jonah, what on earth is the matter with you? Well, Simon covered some of this last week when he looked at chapter 3. He talked about Jonah's prejudices, but there were also some good political reasons for Jonah's anger. The Assyrians were an existential threat to Israel. And if, so if God destroyed them, it would eliminate the threat. And currently, Israel was on the rise. They were doing a pretty good job. And all the prophets were talking about it, even Elisha. And Jonah was one of them too. There had been several encouraging victories already. And Israel had begun to grow quite proud of her newfound status in the world. And, may, and, and many were now living in the expectation of the day of the Lord, which was when God's darkness would engulf the other nations, leaving Israel to bask in his light. Now, how was all this going to happen now? This pagan nation had repented and even now before Jonah's very eyes they were turning to God. He didn't get it. He didn't get it at all. It wasn't right. The Assyrians needed to be destroyed, not forgiven. And this passage also shows us the real reason why Jonah disobeyed God in the first place and got on the boat to Tarshish. He says, I knew you'd do this, God. And he complained using God's own words back to him from Exodus 34. He says, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Kill me now, he says. I don't want to live in a world where God lets evil people live and good people die. Are you getting this? It's so ironic, though, when just a couple of chapters earlier, Jonah had been such a benefactor of God's grace himself. So hypocritical. And so in verse 4, the Lord replies, Is it right for you to be angry? Because, you see, Jonah thought God had got it wrong, which happens to be one of the main reasons I think we get angry with God too. And this is the first point, that we think God got it wrong. We say, God, you don't know what you're doing. You've made a mistake. You shouldn't have let that person die. You shouldn't have let that person live. God, you shouldn't have allowed that. And these kind of questions usually come at times of great suffering and, and loss. Sickness threatens to crush all our dreams. Death takes away one of our children. Utterly unexpected loss, divorce, shakes the foundation of our world. We lose our job. We get into debt. We lose our friends. Whatever it is. And at these times, we can become very angry at God. And we say, why would you let this happen to us? We say, if God is so loving, why am I in so much pain? Why are you allowing such horrible things to happen to me or to the people I love or even what's happening in the world right now? 
And Jonah turns to God with his questions in the same way that many of us have too over the years, in our pain and in our confusion. And here God replies with, is it right for you to be angry? And this question is the most important in the whole book. God asks whether Jonah's anger results in anything good. He's asking, does it produce anything, Jonah, that's life-giving? And it's a moral question more than a legal one about the rights and wrongs of being angry. It's kind of, what's the point of your anger? Does it achieve anything? Does it change anything? Does it produce anything of worth? James writes in chapter 1, verse 20, Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. It's what it produces. What does the anger produce? And Jonah, of course, doesn't answer the question. He simply walks away from the conversation. And God's trying to engage him in his distress, but Jonah's not ready to talk. He's just too cross, just too upset. And we know what this is like, don't we? And sometimes the pain is too much to even respond. And if we were to respond, what comes out would be entirely destructive and unhelpful. And oftentimes we just need time to process some of the emotion, come to terms with a new reality of where we find ourselves to cry out wordlessly to God because we just don't have any words. Jonah Is your anger helping you right now? It's not really an answer. You know, we we so often want an answer, don't we? But God wants a conversation. And by the way, I love how God pursues Jonah throughout this chapter, maintaining dialogue and keeping relationship, offering friendship. And there's no condemnation in God's question here. It's just an invitation to stay connected. Let's go on in the chapter and look at uh, verses 5 to 9. Jonah went out and sat at a place east of the city. And there he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. And then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jordan, uh, Jonah to give shade for his head, to ease his discomfort. And Jonah, he was very happy about the vine. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you have the right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said, and I'm angry enough to die. So we see here that Jonah is still not quite ready to talk. Instead, he decided to wait out the 40 days he'd prophesied to see if God might change his mind and destroy the city anyway. And he makes himself a shelter to sit under, but it seems that it's inadequate to keep out the strong Middle Eastern sun, and so God kindly provides a leafy plant. 
And this is interesting in that we see God's provision in the midst of all the confusion and upset. And there was some merit in the plant because for one of the few times in the whole book, we see that Jonah is actually very happy because of the plant. Finally, Jonah cheers up a bit and stops being so grumpy. But it kind of reminds me of those times when you distract a child with a new toy to bring them out of a bad mood. Or, you know, when you change the atmosphere of the conflict zone to give you an opportunity to communicate again with the child in a different way. It's kind of, have this, sweetie. Come now, talk to me, tell me what's wrong. And although these moments of relief and pleasure seem small compared to some of the difficulties people endure, do you know the more I've thought about it, the more I've thought we need to make the most of these times, these moments, these, these moments when God appears, when miracles occur, these sovereign provisions of God that sometimes seem so fleeting, but there they are. God's provision amid extreme difficulty. A moment of shelter, a moment of refreshment, a moment of encouragement. God provides the plant. Just as previously, he provided the whale. God's provision and protection in times of difficulty. But the very next day, it all changes as God also provides the worm which kills the plant and the scorching east wind and sun which blazed on Jonah's head. How much can change in a day? Just one day later, Jonah goes from being happy to wanting to die again. It would be better for me to live Sorry, to die than to live, he says. How much can change in a day? And the question this raises is about the resilience of our faith and whether all we'll ever be is fair-weather Christians. Verse 9, God says to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plan? And this is the second reason why so many of us can get angry of God angry at God is because we think he owes us something. And the plant represents any temporal blessings we have in life, whether it's a a good meal, it's good health, it's financial security, any provision of God or sign of his protection that we have been given to treasure and to enjoy. I've noticed, for instance, how often I'll pray about my health when I'm sick, but not give thanks when I'm well. How I'll pray about financial needs, but not give thanks for financial provision. How I will pray about a new house, but not thank him for the house that I now have. How I will strain for the holiday, but not be grateful for the peace that we enjoy day to day. Are you grateful? Are you thankful for the good things day to day? And then how hard we take it when any of these temporal blessings are lost or taken away. And that's when we get angry at God thinking he owes us any of these things, like some kind of magic genie in the sky who grants us all of our wishes and never lets us suffer. Is it right to be angry about the plant? God wants us to trust in his sovereignty over all aspects of our lives. 
to have a resilient faith which can see his provision on both the good days and the not so good days, to trust and be thankful anyway. Finally, Jonah speaks and answers the question with, yes, it is right for me to be angry about the plant. He says, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. And Jonah ignores God's object lesson in the plant, the worm and the wind and responds petulantly, refusing to accept the lesson. And you wonder, God, why don't you just kill him right now? (laughs) He's just so annoying. But at least he's talking to God again now. So let's just look at the final section, which is chapter 4 again, verses 10 to 11. But the Lord says, You've been concerned about this vine, though you didn't tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who can't tell their right hand from their left, and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that? great city. Wow. This is a pretty damning passage, actually. It rips right into the heart of Jonah's disgraceful attitude, pointing out that he was more concerned with the plant than with the 120,000 people in the city. And that's because God even loves our enemies. And if you're not concerned about the people, Jonah, what about the animals? Surely they have some worth to you. And the key point here is about the true morality of the people God has just spared. These people who can't tell their right hand from the left is another way of saying that they have no moral compass. They haven't had what you've had. They've not been taught like you've been taught. They've not had the background, the upbringing that you've had. Jonah, you really don't know these people. And this is the other reason why we get angry at God. It's simply that we think we know more than we do. But we don't know enough about everything. We don't have all the facts and know the end from the beginning like he does. We don't see what he sees. We don't have a sufficient perspective of history even. Because actually Assyria will eventually be destroyed. They don't maintain their lives according to God's law. And the Babylonians eventually will overthrow them. Jonah doesn't know this. But neither does he understand the full plan that God has for Israel. His perspective is so local, so small, so stuck in the present and in his own short lifespan. Jonah, you're only human. It's very similar to how God addresses Job at the end of his book on suffering. See, none of us have the perspective that God has, the knowledge or the time scale. So let me just conclude with returning to the question, is it right to be angry with God? I don't think it is. I think that's how we're meant to answer the question. Although from the chapter we've read, it seems that He's pretty unfazed by our anger. And I wonder if it's right instead to express our anger to God rather than at God. To be free to express our emotions in his presence. To pour out our hearts to him. To express our pain and disappointment. 
I don't think I've ever felt inhibited from expressing my feelings to God and asking him some pretty big questions too. The logic for me is that, well, he kind of knows all these things anyway, so why hide from him? And expressing them allows him to shape our hearts and interrogate our motives as he does with Jonah, leading him through to a place of perspective, clarification, or even trust. But we can't be angry with God because he's never wrong. He never makes a mistake and he's perfect in all of his ways. And we sing that song, don't we? Uh, so lightly, but do we realize the impact of those words? He's perfect in all of his ways. But we should be angry over injustice. We should weep over pain. We should be angry at sin and Satan. But God only does what is right. So what does it mean if we are angry at God? Because we've all got angry at God. Does it mean that we ignore our feelings and be hypocrites instead? No, if we feel it, we should confess it to God. He knows it anyway. He sees our hearts. And if anger at God is in our hearts, we may as well tell him and say sorry and ask him to help us to put it right and restore relationship with him. That's what Jonah 4 is all about, actually. Being angry but keeping relationship with God. Look at the progress God makes with Jonah. At the beginning of Jonah 4, Jonah is angry that someone, the Ninevites, didn't die. At the end, he's angry that something, the vine, did die. This tiny window is the opening that God creates in Jonah's emotions to help him understand the creator's bigger perspective. The book finishes with an unanswered question that reveals the limitation of what it means to be human. Yes, we can be angry, but in the end, we must choose to trust God anyway. We we just simply can't understand enough about the world not to. And here's the response that I'm suggesting to you for this talk today. Firstly, that we just spend a bit of time confessing our anger and our disappointment to God. Just take a moment now to just ask the Holy Spirit to show you, Father, where have I got angry? Where have I damaged our relationship because of my disappointment? Just take a moment to do that. And secondly, to take some time to just give thanks to God for the good things. Just thank him for your good health at the moment. And maybe it's not perfect health, but thank him for the good things in your health. Thank him for the provision that you've known. Thank you. Thank him for the protection you have known, even at difficult times. And then thirdly, to make a decision to trust God anyway. Just make that decision. Lord, I'm going to trust in your sovereignty and your perspective and your big picture of all these things because you are God. Decide to trust God anyway. God bless you.